Shock the System. Welcome to Dank Discussions with me, Calican CEO Maynard Breslow. In each episode, you'll learn from the trailblazers, leaders, entrepreneurs, and influencers in the ever-moving, ever-growing cannabis industry. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Dank Discussions. Today, we're joined by Byron Bogart. Byron is a serial entrepreneur. He's got 20 years of experience in the cannabis industry, and Byron is also the owner of Highway 33, a little dispensary in California. Thanks for joining us today, Byron. Hey, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. We appreciate you, dude. So um, let, let our listeners know where you're located today. Uh, I'm actually in Stockton right now. Uh-huh. I got three kids, and so today I have three parent-teacher conferences. Nice. And then after that, and then after that, as a true business owner, I get to go down to my shop and we're doing inventory tonight because tomorrow we will be onboarding onto metric, the state compliance. That's it. Metric is taking over. You know, you gotta, you gotta be able to track every single gram, every single bit that's going in and out. That's the main thing. Um, and that's awesome. You're doing it in between the parent teacher conferences, you know, tell me, tell me I love that's that. the beautiful. That's the beautiful thing about being a business owner. That's why I've always been an entrepreneur, always worked for myself so I can have a little bit more control over my schedule, I hope. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, I think all of us in the industry still battle a little bit with, with stigma, you know, um, you know, I had somebody on the podcast, she was like, I'm a, you know, mother of five and I, w- I was hiding what I was doing for five years, you know, until it kind of like became like, okay, you know, kind of acceptable you know, and the same thing, like, you know, taking my kids to, to soccer practice and feeling like, oh, shit, like, who's going to find out about it? Like, do you ever still get that sense, you know? Oh, I, I absolutely do. I mean, at my kids' soccer games, I get people that are judging me negatively. And then I also get people that come up and ask me, like, what's the latest strain that's coming out? What's the new deal? You know, they ask me about regulation. And so you really get a, a whole mix of it. Um, but I guess... You know, one of the things that I learned coming out and and um, having my shop and and really trying to pursue legal a legal dispensary here in California was that I had to be okay with that stigma, and I battled that for a long time of people not knowing that I used cannabis for my learning disabilities, mm-hmm. and um, and so I I had to make that decision and. I had to come out of the closet, if you will, about my use of cannabis. And the, it really, the hardest person that I had to do that with was my father. My father for 17 years, 18 years, didn't know that I used cannabis mm-hmm. all the time. And so um, that was a big, big deal to, you know, come out and talk to him because I started showing up in the newspaper and people were interviewing me and talking to me. It was like before <laughs> he hears about this from somebody wow. else, he needs to hear about it from his son. and so. You know, that it was it was a hard process, but it really helped me overcome like, hey, I don't really care about anybody else. But as long as my dad still loves me and, you know, that that core family, then, you know, if if my kids, friends or some teachers at school or, you know, teacher wants to give my kid an anti-marijuana book or whatever, you know, I can deal with those hurdles, you know, as they come. So I remember the same thing, man. Like, I remember, you know. First time my dad found out I smoked, we were having like a, you know, like a team meeting from a hockey team. And it was like, you know, the coach was like, hey, we have a problem on the team. You know, there's a lot of the kids on the team who were smoking before games or smoking before practice and, and this and that. And my dad like got up and was like, 
I don't know why, why you guys would want to smoke, you know, this and that. And then, you know, a couple months later, I got caught, you know, and uh, you know, <laughs> just let me stand up there and look like an idiot. And, all, you know, and now it's like, you know, me and my dad, me and my dad have always been so close. And so it's like when I had my medical card, you know, years ago before it was legal, he's like, hey, can you get me a candy bar? You know, hey, <laughs> you know, kind of, you know, it becomes a signal goes away and normalize. And, you know, what, what do we do there? You know, the, this whole aspect of normalizing cannabis use in general being able to, you know, talk about like Mad Men, you know, where people are sitting there and, you know, it's the fifties and it's a whole different time. There's a whole lot of things in that show that we don't want to, you know, that it's a good thing they're not doing anymore. Right. But like, it was okay to just, you know, go and uh, have a drink and get to work, you know, where people use it now, you know, to, to unwind after work, you know, a glass of wine after work and, you know, um, you know, people take pills, all kinds of things to go to sleep, to deal with their issues and all that stuff. And yet, there's still people who are like, you smoke weed, cannabis, you know, just call it what it is, it's pot. And it's like, dude, like, yeah. you know, what, what, what's, what's, what's the difference here, you know? And why, why is one okay and one isn't okay when actually people are, are healing, people are being, you know, I'm also ADHD and that's what I was using. And, and I felt bad at the time, you know, thinking like, oh, I'm self-medicating. Um, when it's fact, it was like, great, I don't have to take Ritalin today and I don't have to stay up all night and not have any appetite and all that, and, and I'm, my grades are good, I'm getting straight A's, why, why is that, you know, still a thing? You know, what can we do to, to normalize that in the business world, in the industry, in public, and not have to hide it? Absolutely. That's one of the, <clears throat> that's one of the frustrating things for me as a dispensary owner, and I'm excited to see as the state and local jurisdictions roll out more of a lounge use model, because, you know, I got one of the reasons why I wanted a physical location was because I smoke while I'm at work. I smoke, you know, while I'm working so that I can keep my, my mind right. And, uh, so I can stay focused with my learning disabilities. And, uh, so that's been challenging because obviously we're not allowed to smoke, uh, in the dispensary. And so, you know, we have to obey those rules, but it's, it's interesting that I've had other jobs and other businesses where I've actually been able to smoke more freely than my own dispensary now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you have, you have excessive, you know, experience in the industry, 20 years, you know, like I said at the beginning, you know, cultivation, consulting, you know, having, having hep company now, dispensaries. Um, I guess, you know, how, how did this whole journey start, you know, taking it from, you know, smoking to, yeah. to, to go for, you know, to help your, your learning disabilities to turning it into uh, you know, a business and turning it into main way. What, how, tell me, Walk me through your journey uh, into entrepreneurship. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, going back to growing up, I had learning disabilities and my parents were really, really cool. And I was really fortunate that I got adopted into a great family and they spent a lot of money on tutors and training and helping me learn as in elementary school, junior high, high school, how to deal with that stuff without Ritalin, without any uh, pharmaceutical drug. And uh, in college, it was really challenging my first year, my first semester. And I had a, a test and I was like borderline failing this class. And a dorm uh, roommate guy said, hey, you know, smoke a little bit of this before you study and see if it helps. And I was like, you know, I had nothing to lose. And, uh, you know, I I'd, I'd dabbled and smoked before and, and used cannabis, but never really in this, like, I would consider a medical, you know, setting uh, for medical purpose. And uh, sure enough, I was able to focus. I studied. I actually smoked a little bit more the next morning before my test. And I got like a B plus on the thing. 
a B, something like that. And uh, from then on out, I'd been, you know, using cannabis to to succeed further in life and to stay focused when my mind is my ADD is all over the place. And um, it started after, you know, cannabis being expensive and always being kind of an entrepreneur of being able to buy an ounce and divvy it up and not having to pay for my own medicine. Uh And, um, and so that's really where it, it started. And it, and it was for a lot of, for a lot of years, it wasn't a big thing for me. I worked in the association world. I was a, a CEO for a couple of realtor associations. I've done consulting for different associations, businesses, did sales for a company called ADP, where I learned to be really good at sales. It was a great company, great training. But all through that, I used cannabis. Um, we uh, we were talking beforehand. In fact, in one of my presentations, I did with a, a guy that was at the FBI, head of the FBI for the West Coast and um, on the uh, digital fraud and he was talking to a bunch of uh, realtors and I was part of that presentation with him um, getting up there and kind of tying it all together for the realtors about the different fraud that's been going on in the real estate industry. And I was high as a kite, you know, in front of all these people. And he came up afterwards and said, good job. All these other people come, came over and said, good job. And, and this is a pattern of my life, um, you know, running board meetings and using cannabis before the board meetings to make sure that I do a good job. And so it got to a point uh, in probably 2015 where you could see the cannabis market changing. And as being an entrepreneur, having my own businesses, it was really something that I wanted to get into. And that's when I synced up with my partner, Nate Tremble, um, who's really uh, the the cultivator uh, genius behind uh, everything and anything we do, because I can grow. Uh, a little bit, but I am not a grower. I'm I'm the business side of things. Uh-huh. And so he does a great job on the cultivation side. And so we started up uh, our cultivation. I uh, was doing the whole medical sales, found a location after two and a half years of looking for a spot that would either rent or lease to us. We finally actually found a spot out in the middle of nowhere in Crow's Landing that we could buy. We could actually afford to buy. And so we bought this little building and that's where we have our, uh, our dispensary now. And so we got that going. Hemp became legalized, uh, here in Stanislaus County. And so we did a a little test plot this last year, hoping to do a a much bigger grow this coming up, uh, season. And then up in Calaveras County, um, we are going to be doing a grow as they come back online, um, an outdoor grow up there as well. So just trying to, keep growing um we bootstrap pretty much everything and so that's kind of uh kind of what we got going on right now and then working on our next dispensary in atwater california that's great is it, is it does it ever get to a point where now let's start something else or is it like okay we've reached a certain point and we have you know capital here and we're going to start something new or is it kind of just like you know being on serial entrepreneurs you know for me i love to see things grow and it's almost like that 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 startup, that getting things going is like almost the most exciting, even though it's the most painful and the, mo- the hardest part of it. You know, it's like, um, you know, transitioning, con- constantly kind of being able to grow things. Is that, is that what you like to do or you like to? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's different like aspects of it um, and how you look at that growth and how you measure that growth, whether that's growth from like, 
opening the dispensary and like going through that like legal process and like being able to actually open the doors, that's like a, a big milestone, if you will. Or to even just look at like your November sales uh -huh. and compare them to November of last year. I mean, now I have historical data sales and I can like work on my marketing plans and I can really, um, you know, make it into an actual business and use actual business practices and not so much, I would call them more street business practices that we have, we used to have to use. Uh -huh. um, whereas now I can use more of those traditional uh, means of measuring and, and um, you know, with my point of sale system. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm talking about metric, you know, and, and everything, you know, it has to be like that, you know, and having SOPs and being able to, you know, repeat it. If you have a dispenser over here, you know, it's got to be, uh, you know, you don't have to reinvent the wheel every time and you can have, you know, being able to start over here and, you know, almost like a franchise, right? It's got to taste the same way in, in every single location. Uh, well, and that's where, um, you know, it's interesting because you talk about like, what almost I think almost the question was what limits you as an entrepreneur and it's really when you are bootstrapped and you are just you know doing it yourself and doing it uh, that that financial constraint is really what holds you back and that's the tough part and the tough part as an entrepreneur of making those decisions of you know where are you spending that money because there's definitely a balance between using your mind and using your heart and trying to figure out where's the best the best push to go forward and uh that's one of the other things that i really appreciate about having a good business partner that's also really like my best friend because we can go back and forth and fight or discuss things like cats and dogs but at the end of it you know we're gonna you know we agree and we and we move forward but that's really the tough part about working inside a such a regulatory you know framework we started uh in this business um because we're passionate about helping people um i saw what it did for myself um my partner nate uh had doesn't have a, a foot basically um he was in a motorcycle accident has phantom foot pains and you know couldn't they want what happened right after he got after he got hurt, they want to give him a bunch of Vicodin and a bunch yeah. of drugs yeah. and he got depressed and, you know, I'm not going to go into his story, but that's, you know, that's what happened. And so sure enough, cannabis is, you know, what helps him. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so we have this debate all the time about, you know, doing stuff for the customer or doing stuff for a patient or trying to help somebody out, but then having to deal with, Oh, we can't do that now because it's, it's against the, you know, California law. And so we got to follow that law until that law changes. And, you know, and then it brings you to another subject of how do you work together with other retailers yes. to, uh, um, you know, to make it so that we can help that medical patient or we can do that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, yeah. No, I definitely, I, de I want to, you know, deep dive into what you just said a little bit more, you know, how, how, you know, it kind of seems, I mean, for the sake of, you know, you want to call it for, you know, competition or, you know, because it's so difficult to, you know, be a, have a legal cannabis business and, you know, the regulations and everything that it's almost like, you know, we're set up to fight each other. You know, we're set up to, to be fragmented, as you mentioned before, you know, earlier, um, McCauley, you know, was... Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what's frustrating for me um, in this process. So to back up a little bit about myself, I mentioned that I run, I used to run these realtor associations. A lot of people don't realize, but... 
a realtor and a real estate agent are two different things. To become a realtor, you actually join a realtor association. There's 1.2 million realtors across the United States. Actually, one of the largest, most powerful lobbying groups mm. in the United States, right? But you think about real estate and you think about it on a you know small scale and you know competing for business. Real estate agents are constantly competing against each other, right? They're constantly going after a sale, even agents in the same office. And so, you know, uh, a, a big broker that I used to work with uh, used the term frenemies. They were frenemies. And so they have relationships with all the other brokers and they work hard on those relationships, but they still, you know, compete. Uh, you know, everybody wants to put more food on their table for their family. And so, um, Fast forward now into this into this uh, cannabis industry, and what's tough um, is because it is so young, it's still so fragmented. And I'm passionate, and I hope that we can work together as the regulatory dust settles a little bit, as retailers work together, so that we can help enact change, whether it's local legislation, state legislation, or even as it becomes federally legal, make sure that we're protecting ourselves federally from what is going to transpire. And so, um, you know, you look at it like my, uh, the dispensary that I have now in, in Stanislaus County, it was a competition that took over, I think it was like 18 months, 18 month competition. There's about 28 other people applying for seven spots. So I came in fourth place out of this beauty contest that took place over 18 months. And so, of course, people are going to hate each other. People are going to try. People want me to fail because then that number eight spot is going to get to move in. And I don't blame them. I don't blame them at all. But how do we, as the, the people that did get the, get, get the, um, the nod to go ahead, how do we work together to help create better local legislation so that we can create a better cannabis industry locally after going through this process. And that's something that I'm passionate about. And I hope that um, we'll see more of that normalizing, more of those conversations, more of that frenemy mentality um, in the industry. I'm also on the, I'm the vice chair of the retail committee for the National Cannabis Industry Association. And um and so it's something that I'm hopeful that I can bring into into place uh, in as I become the chair, and um, and we get the committee up and and going. I'm also, you know, one year from one year from uh, now, we're gonna have the biggest biggest election, and I don't see us as retailers, especially here in California, I don't see us um, working together to lobby. We have. Uh, customers and patients coming into our stores mm. all day every day yeah. and we're delivering to them all day every day and so and these people are obviously pro cannabis so why aren't we working together to get this group or block of voters to help put some power behind what we need changed you know it's easy to sit there and complain and and uh and bitch and moan about things but you know you gotta you gotta to do things you actually have to work together. You know, you can't, you can't just work by yourself. And so I think that you're going to see more of that realization, especially as the dust settles, like I said, in the regulatory market, you have some players that have stayed and, you know, obviously some players that will, will go and have gone. 
Well, you talked on so much things there, you know, it's funny. It actually reminds me of, you know, talking about them being able to get people with though, you know, it reminds me of the Simpsons episode from like, I don't know, 2003, 2004, where they were like, where it was from Colorado. They were already starting to, to uh, you know, they're like, oh, we're going to legalize it, this and that. And it's, it didn't pass. And they're like, oh, because everybody was at the fish concert, you know, smoking. You know, but, <laughs> but it's like, and that's like obviously the view, you know, the stigma right there, you know, trying, trying to get away from that stoner culture. But, you know, it's like, that's a huge thing that we, I don't think, like you were saying, we've, we've put enough emphasis in, uh, you know, lobbying. How can we unite? How can we get people to show up to the polls? How can we get people like, you know, and we're getting more steam, we're getting more steam, but we can't just like mm -hmm. let, you know, uh, these guys up in Sacramento, these people in DC, just being able to, to, you know, dictate to us every, you know, about everything. And we have to just comply with whatever bill has come, has come down. You know, we have to be able to, to be up there and tell them exactly what we need. You know, we're the ones in the industry, you know, and I see a lot, you know, Steve Yandel doing it. There's Absolutely. a lot of different associations doing this now, obviously, you know, and, um, you know, very passionate about a lot of them, but I, you know, how do you, you know, being on that board, being, um, you know, a, a part of that coalition, where do you go? How do you build it? How do you go? Do you start knocking on doors other countries and say, yo, like, listen, we're not each other's enemy, actually. Like, we got, we got to find a way to, you know, to stop the, uh, you know, the black market, you know, from that that's the main thing or, or, or you know, the government from taking yeah. things or these predatory, um, you know, sort of, yeah. you know, investors coming, you know, um, where, where can we, where can we unite like that? How? Yeah, I mean, if, I, the the old saying of if you're not at the table, you know, you're going to be on the table, you know, you got to be part of that conversation. And, um, and I think people, I think people are realizing it. So yeah, part of it is going around and, and being able to build those relationships with other dispensary owners and um, working with people and, and making sure that, that people know um, where you're coming from. There's a lot of, uh, distrust in this industry for a variety of reasons i mean we're constantly getting ripped off whether it's you know by everybody anybody you know you tell them it's cannabis and all of a sudden everything's you know 50 percent higher yeah of course but, it's like oh okay so think, we're gonna make know, money today off this guy oh you yeah want cannabis? So, Great. so if you're trying to work with other retailers you know and, and build a coalition and, and whatnot it's you got to make sure that that people know where you're coming from and make sure that the purpose is very clearly defined in what what you're trying to do. So the question that you asked me, it's like, what I'm, you know, how do you make that next step? Honestly, at this moment, I don't know, but that's you know something that I'm working on. The retail committee for uh, NCIA is brand new this year, and um, under some great leadership, and so I'm ex and so that's why I was excited to be the vice chair. I lucked out because I'm not having to lead something that I didn't really know, so I can kind of sit back a little bit this year and. But I'm excited to bring it's a great group of people and there's a lot of passion out there. Um, I think just harnessing it in the right direction is is important. The other thing is everybody's so busy all the time. It's like I mentioned uh, earlier, like trying to just onboard with metric. You know, that's my license. That's my compliance. That's like my besides my kids. That's like my number one thing. Yeah. And so there's been a lot of hiccups with that. So it's like stuff that I wanted to get done like last month and this month have gotten pushed off because of this metric thing. And that's a common issue with a lot of small to medium sized operators because you're sitting there working on those, those fires, those issues. And then the, 
the huge operators, they already have their own lobbying person, their own team. So they don't really want to play. And so that, you know, that makes it tough. But like I said, this industry is so new and it's so exciting to be on the forefront and um, being a pioneer um, in it. I mean, it's just, it's a, that part is a blessing. You know, I, it uh, doesn't matter how, how hard or how difficult it is. Um, I had a professor used to say, as long as you can wake up on a Monday and be just as happy as a Friday, then you're doing it. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I work seven days a week and, and you know, and, and I love it. I love it. Well, definitely. And, and, um, you know, talking about, you know, the time that it takes in and, you know, the small to medium size operators, operations, I guess, you know, time is our most valuable commodity. That's the one thing that we, that we don't have, you know, I think a lot of the bigger companies, you know, bigger organizations, I mean, no, we, you know, just came out some, some of them are getting in trouble themselves in different matters. Um, I'm not going to name any names, but um, you know, I think sometimes the, the question, the answer is just throw money at it and see how it sticks. How, how do you deal with that, with that time constraint? Um, you know, to yeah, I mean, I manage your business properly I, without, you know, um, having to live and die, you know, not, you know, to, to live in your store all the time, um, and still being able to have that. Well, and I think that's, I think that's the, 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 one of the, one of the other blessings is that I have three happy, healthy children that are my life. And so, you know, being an entrepreneur going all the way back, my, I did my first uh, startup in 1999 during the dot-com era. I was in oh, college, nice. um, a company called internet a bit. And, um, you know, I'm lucky in the sense that I have my three kids that somewhat keep me grounded, um, in the sense that I, um, am going to be around, I'm going to be around them and, um, be near them. And, um, they're going to be a priority in my life, no matter, no matter what. And so it helps take me out of that shop and it helps take me out of that, you know, mindset uh, occasionally and, and set the phone down. And what's, powerful about that is I think that helps open up the brain a little bit so that when I do come back or I am thinking about things or even, you know, subconsciously thinking about things, it allows my brain that free space to actually be a better leader in my business. And I don't think that as a young entrepreneur, I ever really fully realized that or understood that as much as I understand that now because of those kids and because I've never worked this hard. Um, but I've never also tried to make sure that something in my life besides my work is such a priority like my kids. Yeah. So you're, so you're saying like being able to take a step back and having, I'm, mean, you know, your, your children, the, the thing that ground you like force you almost right to like think of a better way, different way, but being able to take that step back. Right. Whereas instead of like overworking or anything like that, that's actually made you, you know, not only a better dad, obviously, because your, your, your priorities are in order. But also when you come back to work, it gives you the better, you know, the better uh, mind frame and uh, to be more efficient and to be able to, to utilize your time to time better. Absolutely. And, and I just think my brain works better. Um, being that I have some learning disabilities and ADD, there's so many different things that are going on up there. And so having that free space to where, yeah, I'm present with my kids, but you know, I'm not necessarily in my shop. I'm not necessarily just staring at cannabis or thinking about what I'm doing or the next moves or all that stuff. I think that subconsciously it helps free up that space. So when I am back in the grind and have to make 
actually make those decisions, that brain is already processed through some of the decision-making process. Um, and, and just, you know, having to make sure that, you know, for me, it's making sure that when my kids get up and before school that I'm there and I can be there and, and make them lunch and see them off. And then at the end of the night, I can put them to bed and it doesn't always happen. But, you know, just having that, those two little priorities set, um, yeah, it's really, it's really helped and uh, been interesting from just taking a step back. Because in this industry, there's been a lot of talk lately about the dot-com era. And as somebody that's lived through both of them, like uh-huh. grinded through both of them. Um, well, meaning you know, it's, it's a bubble it's also, or that it's... Uh, what, yeah, I mean, this industry, I mean, there's definitely a bubble. Um there's, yeah, there's definitely a bubble. And, um, but just going back and what I knew then as a, you know, hard, you know, entrepreneur startup. And then what I see now and as a startup, I'm definitely fortunate to have some of that perspective. Um, I don't know how, I'm not going to name names, but I know that over the last several weeks, a lot of the distributors that have been distributing products to my shop have cut sales forces. Uh-huh. And that's, you know, yeah, definitely. Yeah definitely not a good sign um you know we could have a whole nother discussion about how messed up and fucked up or excuse me how messed up distros are it's all good we're explicit um, on this uh we're, we're set for explicit <laughs> you, can, you can say whatever you want man. but the but with distros you know and and how uh out of whack uh they've been but you know what's interesting is as they're starting to try to save money right now with getting rid of their sales forces um, they're doing a horrible job, at least on my small perspective, of actually maintaining those relationships with the retailers, right? Oh, yeah. They've fought. It's crazy to me that they fought so hard. They've spent so much money, so much time, so much resources to get in my shop and get on my shelf. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, there's no more, um, there's no more, uh, follow up. It's just like a, a void. And I'm actually having to follow up with them. And what's interesting about that is there's not very many products that are so important that I need in my shop that I actually need to follow up with somebody. Uh, you know, it's it's the uh, it's the other way around. And what's interesting on the on the distribution side is, you know, if I need a product, I'm not going to call the distributor anymore. I'm now just going to go straight to whoever's making that product and be like, hey, this supply chain is jacked up, which is also not good for the distributor that's clearly laying people off because they're having money problems in the first place. Right. Yeah. And so it's interesting to see how some of these people are dealing with these, these growth issues because it just seems like, um, they don't have base. A lot of them don't have some basic business sense of like, how do you protect what you already have while obviously, you know, cutting costs. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting to me to, to, to see that as a business person, but also get to see it in the trenches, if you will. And, uh, you know, brought up the big thing because, you know, I was always taught, you know, as a business owner, your main customer is your, they are your employees. Those are, those are your main customers. If you keep your employees happy, if your employees are showing up to work and they're ready to, to put out for, for your, for your clients, for your customers, then they're going to be happy, you know, and, you know, it costs more money to acquire a client than it does to keep a client, you know? So, and it's happening a lot in, in not just distributing, but we're seeing it on the tech side, you know, and hearing these tech sides, some of these, you know, tech companies are getting huge funding and it's going all great. 
And then you see hiccups and, you know, funding doesn't mean revenue, you know, and, um, and then the first thing they want to do is to cut costs to, to get rid of the employees. So then the, you know, the client that, that they work so hard, like you said, not just to get on your shelves, but to get them to be the POS system, to be whatever, you know, now you can't get a hold of anybody, you know, and that's the main part of compliance. You have to be able to, to, to keep this up to date all the time and be working. So, um, it's, it, it yeah. is, you know, and you're seeing it with the dispensaries, the dispensaries who grew too big, they had too many shops and now all of a sudden they got to cut costs and, um, it's just, it's yeah. just, uh, it's just, a, it's a weird place to be right now. And I think, you know, the, uh, there will be some leveling off. There will be some, you know, you know, there's the quote green rush and people who were, were getting into the industry because it was a green rush are going to get weeded out, you know? And, uh, well, imagine, imagine. So I've, I spent tens of thousands of dollars, hundreds of hours of time trying to get a dispensary in the city of Turlock. And uh, one of those large dispensaries uh, beat me out, you know, and beat a lot of us out, uh, MedMen. And we were told over and over the reason why they picked MedMen over all of us was because they had more money. And so they said that you know, they actually said because they had more yes, money. Yes, at least they're being oh, honest. You, you know, instead of saying yeah. some bullshit like, "Oh, well, they got better systems," you know, well, they they, but, they had experience. But here's what's crazy about it is like through that interview process, they never asked me how much money I was bringing to the uh-huh. table, uh-huh. and they never asked some of my other frenemies uh, that same question. Uh-huh. And yet, with that MedMen which is a you know publicly traded company. You can look at their financials. You knew they didn't have that much money compared to their burn rate. Uh-huh. Um, and yet they picked, and so it's, you know, so that type of stuff as an entrepreneur is frustrating, um, you know, especially when you're talking about limited resources uh-huh. and you're going up against those people. But yeah, obviously, definite bubble. And um, that's why that type of thing is maddening to me because I can see the bubble and yet, you know, the city of Turlock was happy to talk to me, talk, take my time and energy to come up with a, a cannabis ordinance. They actually um, blocked me from cultivating. So um, uh, I lost out on another permit because of the city. And then, all, you know, when it comes down to the actual, uh, actual giving out the application, it's like they just wanted to, to give it to the big guy. And so that was, you know, that was tough. That was, that was definitely tough. I guess something. And now they're not even going in there, by the way. Yeah, now exactly. They're, well, they're, now they're I mean, that's, they're in the news right now. <laughs> this very day, they're in the news yeah. of all the layoffs they're doing because, as a result, you know. So, you know, there's different ways of doing business. You know, there's ways where you where you scale when you're ready, and there's ways where you say, you know, what, I'm gonna undercut the competition just so that they can't do it. You know, just so that they we beat them out, and we're gonna you know do it the war of attrition. And uh, you know, you live by the sword, you die by the sword, kind of thing. You know. Yeah. Um, and that's where it's interesting, uh, you know, whether it's on that retail side, on the distribution side, um, you know, how uh, how that's going to play out. But it's, def- I mean, it's definitely a bubble. There's definitely a bubble because when you have people that don't know what they're doing, throwing money at things, um, you're going <laughs> to, you're going to have failure. You're going to have failure at a, a lot faster, larger rate than you would otherwise. And that's, that's what we're going to see. And that's where I'm, you know, somebody posted something on LinkedIn the other day. It's like, who uh, or what are you betting on in the cannabis industry? It was, a, it was a post, you know, like what company or what product. And, you know, I thought about it for a quick second. And the first thing that came to my mind was me. 
Yeah. Because at least I saw that comment. You know, I have these. <laughs> yeah, because I I know, you know, I know what I can do. I have control over that. I you know, I wish I had more money so I could grow faster and and be disciplined with it. But but yeah, it's it's exciting. It's an exciting time, and I'm I'm blessed. I'm so blessed. Uh, that's the main thing is blessed, and you know we're getting to you know um, you know success in a minute. Um, but you know I want. You know, I guess the question is, you know, talking about Mad Men and talking about these big players and all this stuff, you know, you know, you have Highway 33, you know, and you have, you know, opening up a new dispensary in Atwater. And how do you separate yourself from like those big boys that, that people know about, that people, you know, perceive in a different way and they're maybe the quicker to go into those stores? Um, you know, how do, how do you separate and make yourself memorable? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a great question. I think it goes back to something we were talking about a minute ago with the employees, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting because yeah, I'm the, I'm the boss as my kids call me, but really I'm like the lowest person on the totem pole. I work for everybody. And that's my philosophy. I work for my employees. I work for my other business partners. I work for my customers. I work for my security guards because as long as everybody's happy and going, then people want to be there. People like that, that warm, happy feeling. The other thing about, our philosophy and our our dispensary and and we'll bring it to the next one as well is um you know we're there to provide information and help people and educate them and i think that a lot of these other dispensaries it's really just a mill and you go through and they don't have a lot of products um we like to say at our dispensary might be small our shop is like 600 square feet it's tiny we may be small but we got it all we have so many different products in there for different needs because again that's what got us into this industry i love i mean that's one of my favorite things about the job is seeing the new products understanding the different cannabinoids and how they're um you know putting them into different things for yeah. different medical purposes yeah. and helping translate that to the customer through my employees exactly is something that i'm passionate about and i love doing and so people uh, you know, you can jump on the weed maps and or Google and read our reviews on our site versus even positive reviews from some of these other companies. Um, the difference is that education piece, you know, being able to spend that extra minute um, with people and then also having products and having bud tenders that know all those products so that people really have a choice and get to understand um, what's available to them. Whereas some of these smaller shops, they have to run on smaller number of SKUs. And I get that from, from a business perspective. And so we're fortunate that we don't necessarily have to do that at this point. Well, that, that's another great thing is, you know, unfortunately, you know, because of, you know, um, legal reasons, compliance reasons, we can't just outright say, you know, on our website or, or on, you know, the product saying this is good for this. The, if this is what you're doing with this is good for this. But the bed tenders, you know someone asks, Hey, this is what I'm doing with, you know, it's like, that's how we kind of can educate better. And like, that's the key word is education, you know, being able to educate um, our customers, um, you know, cause you can't just outright say those things. Um, like I said, so. Well, and you know, I still will take a delivery here and there, you know, I'll still, you know, I still purposely will schedule myself for a couple hours, not maybe every week as much anymore, but you know, every other week or whatever, because I want to have that interaction. I want to have that interaction with my employees. Mm. I want to have that interaction um, uh, with the customers and, you know, make sure that we're hitting the mark on all marks. 
and so that that people do want to come in because we are out our town the population of crows landing i believe is about 500 people wow and so um you know people but we're right off highway five we're about five minutes off highway you guys have five. a whole so bunch of other from, you know other cities around you can go and deliver to and, and there's other but they're not very but they're not very big but what we do get is we get a lot of people that coming from down south, coming up to the Bay Area or vice versa, uh-huh. and we're right off the five. And so people take the five-minute trip and come over and, and visit Highway 33, grab some tacos at the taco trucks and, and uh, you know, get some good cannabis product, get some good education, see what's out there in the California market because we do have a ton of different products. And, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's been amazing. You know, somebody asked, called me up the other day that I hadn't talked to in a long time and they needed – and I mean, maybe 10 years and they're like, Hey, I need, I need some weed. How, how can I, you know, you got any weed? And I was like, <laughs> I texted them back. I texted them back our website, highway 33.shop. Go here, just place your order and then put on there. Byron will deliver it. And, and you know, that's hilarious. From all the way back. To the, and so it's a trip, you know, that's a trip to go that, that far. And you know, that kind of full circle, if you will. That's definitely full circle. That's definitely full circle for me. I'll tell you that much as well. So um, I guess, you know, before we're going to wrap up in a minute, but, you know, what's, what's the biggest obstacle that Highway 33 has faced? You know, what is it that, you've, you know, that you're facing now? And, you know, how have you been able to overcome it? You know, it's interesting. I think that, um, you know, my, I was driving with my attorney one day, and she was saying something about how I, I should – write a book about all these different things that we've overcome and all these issues. She bringing up all the stuff that I forgot about. Yeah. Um, so how do I overcome it? I deal with that issue. I solve the problem and then I move on. And I really only look back if there's stuff to be learned from that lesson. And then I'm only looking at it, not from a negative energy draining standpoint. I look at it from what did I do? Right. What did I do? You know, how do I learn from this so that when that next hurdle comes up um you know i'm ready to jump over it me and my partner talk about it all the time we're not in the cannabis industry we are in the hurdle jumping game every yeah. day we wake up putting out and fires, we have a couple of hurdles kind of shit, yeah man. and we have yeah and we're trying to get over these people are throwing different hurdles in front of us we see the hurdles that we want to jump over there's other hurdles like metric that gets thrown in there you know and so you're just every day and that's what we talk about when we connect every day is like what you know, what hurdles are you jumping over? But we don't necessarily look back at all the different hurdles that we had to overcome to get to get to the spot. I mean, I what's the biggest hurdle specifically just my my little dispensary there in Crow's Landing overcame? It's like first we had to find real estate. I took two and a half years. Yeah. Then we had to go through a permitting process with 28 or 30 other well-funded, well-connected businesses and business people and that process took 18 months right and then you have like metric and compliance and inventory and you know all this so all these issues they were all the biggest hurdle that we had to overcome in that moment otherwise we would have failed so they were all like big in a sense but how do we overcome it by by looking forward i think that's that's and i my one of my favorite things that i you see floating around on social media about um entrepreneurship it's like you know the the two steps to entrepreneurship it's like you start and then you never stop you just don't stop there's there's nothing that will stop me and that's um been my attitude through this whole process is that 
I'm not, I don't, you don't take no for, even when I lost out on that process in Turlock and, you know, that was a big, big loss. Um, you know, I, I'm not stopping. I'm still going for it. I'm still going to the next, I'm not, nothing's going to keep me back. And I think as entrepreneurs, you know, in whatever industry you're in, the, the biggest thing about it is if you're really passionate, you're not going to stop. There will be no quit in you. And that's how you'll know because you're going to get kicked. You're going to be down. You're going to want to quit. You're, I mean, I'm not, you're definitely going to have those days where you're going to want to be like, there's got to be something easier. But at the end of the day, that, 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 that in the heart, you know, is what, what gets you going. And that's why, like I've, I've said probably a couple of times, I'm blessed. I'm lucky. I get to, I get to do something that I love on a, dealing with a customer on a one-on-one level. I get to build a big business. That's exciting. I get to empower people, employ people, work with people, you know, create ideas, exchange ideas. I mean, it's, it's so awesome. I'm so lucky. That's great. And, uh, you know, I guess that brings me, you know, like you said, entrepreneurship is all about getting our ass kicked and getting back up, you know, and, and keep going. We like, I don't know if we love it or we're just become masters at it of overcoming this stuff. And uh, you just got to, I don't know how to get your ass kicked and, and just and love it. Or you just like punishment, right? You just like I, that's what pain. I'm saying. I mean, you know, I, I don't know what's wrong with us. You know, we love this, you know, but I, I love it. I love it. I love getting I up do. and doing this. And you know what? This is one aspect of what I get to do. I can talk to cool people like you and to, you know, uh, connect and, and, you know, and we talk about your journey and what you got going on and I get to learn. And hopefully somebody else, you know, other people listening to this are learning as well. And uh, from the feedback we're getting, they're learning. And you know what? That's what I always say is I'm an open book. Um, being on the, the retail committee for NCIA, I want to work with other retailers, um, other, other entrepreneurs. And so, again, the beautiful thing about my name, Byron Bogart, is there's only one in the world. And so you can literally Google me. And, uh, you know, if there's other people that have questions or want to talk further or have, you know, trying to start their own stuff, whether it's just, uh, in this space or a different space is, you know, I'm happy. I'm always happy to help. And that's something that I love and I'm passionate about is empowering other people as well. It's, it's, it's fun to see everybody succeed. That's it. And they, you said the word right there. And that brings me to my last question that I was asked, you know, it's uh, succeed. You said succeed, you know, what, what do you define as success? What is success to you? Yeah, I think that's a great, that's a great question. And I think success um, there's a couple of, uh, versions of success for me. One is that I'm able to help transform and normalize a, a cannabis industry that has been frowned upon. And although it's been medically legal here in California for over 20 years, um, it's still not really looked at as the, the medical benefit. And so success for me, as I get older, you know, we get old, these older people in the in the dispensary all the time that say, "Oh, finally it's legal." Like I never thought we'd see this day, but for me, is having that that normalization around cannabis and the different cannabinoids uh, that the the plant has. Um, so that's success number one. Uh, number two is having a, a business that again employs and empowers people um, and is successful by making sure that those customers are treated correctly with good quality products and services. And that's why we are working to be fully, uh, you know, vertically integrated to where we can control some of the flour and the cannabis that comes into our dispensaries. Yeah. Um, and, and being able to do that. And then lastly, uh, you know, success for me 
personally is that at my funeral, um, I have three happy, healthy children standing there that loved their dad and that mm. thought their dad did whatever it took to be there for them. Obviously, uh, you know, being an entrepreneur is tough, but that they understand that, you know, how much I love them and how much I sacrifice for them and that, um, you know, they're, they're my, they're my number one. So that's, that's success for me, you know, in kind of those, those three buckets. I love that. I love that last one because, you know, it's, uh, people have different, I'll be honest, that's the first time I've heard someone say that, you know, everybody is, you know, motivated by the kids and it's such a huge motivation, but to say, you know, that my, my kids know, you know, believe that they had a great dad. That's like, you know, such an amazing thing and uh, really keeping things in perspective. Um, so I really love that. So awesome. Uh, Byron, I really appreciate you. I appreciate your time so much. Uh, you know, as we close, how can our listeners find out more about Highway 33, find out more about, you know, you yeah. hemp cultivation, you have, you know, another dispensary opening up. How can we find out more about you and your different ventures you have going on? Yeah, like I said, uh, highway33.shop is our website. If you're cruising up and down Highway 5, going from the Bay Area down to L.A. or vice versa, take the five-minute journey <laughs> off the, uh, Yeah, so stop off. Stop off at Crow's uh, Landing there, and it's literally five minutes off the freeway, and uh, come hang out with us. And otherwise, hit me up on social media. Like I said, Byron Bogard, you know, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. TikTok, all of them. Um, I'm there and um, I'm happy to connect with people and I'm happy to further the conversation about the normalizing of cannabis and what it means to, you know, have a cannabis business. Yeah, definitely talking about that and, you know, talking about the, uh, you know, being, being there on the board of the NCIA, you know, I think there's a lot more to talk into and get into uh, down the road. Definitely love to have you on again. So uh, thanks so much for jumping on with us and uh, good luck to you the rest of the year and beyond. Awesome, bud. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. We at Calican are passionate about cannabis marketing, branding, and web design. If you're a cannabis entrepreneur and you know you need an uptake in business or an upgrade in the way your customers perceive you, come check us out at calican.com and schedule a time to speak with us. Plans start at $248. Thanks for listening in to Dank Discussions, and we are so grateful for each and every one of you. We want to continue making dank content you want, so give us some feedback about the topics you want covered. Feel free to reach out to us at grow at calacan.com. That's C-A-L-A-C-A-N-N.com. And follow us on Instagram for our latest updates.